Welcome to Global River Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoyed today's message. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit globalriver.org. When I preached at the tent last, I preached on John 17. So let's start out there. So turn with me to John 17, and I'm going to read a couple of verses about being in unity. John 17. And we're going to start with verse 11, where um, Jesus says, Holy Father. It's right in the middle of the verse. So in John 17, Jesus prays for himself. He prays for his disciples. He prays for all believers. It's the longest prayer of Jesus in the Bible. In verse 11, Jesus prays, Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. And then verse 20, Jesus says, my prayer is not for them alone. I also, I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. That's us. That all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then, then, then the world will know that you have sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. So the reason that Jesus prays that we would be in unity is not just for us to have all happy, giggly feelings that we like Pastor Tom just as well as we like Jenny. It's so that the world may know, so that the world may know that God sent Jesus to be the Messiah, to pay for our sins, that he died, was resurrected, went to heaven, and he's coming again to establish his kingdom where we will rule and reign with him forever. We need to walk in unity so that the world may know. So what I'm gonna teach you today are, it's, very, it's a very practical message for you to be able to look at your own heart and thoughts and actions and discern is this walking in unity or is it not? It's a very practical message. On your handout, there's a verse, and my topic is the principality of bitterness. So if you'll look on your handout from Hebrews 12, verse 14, the writer of Hebrews says, pursue peace with all people and the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. See to it. See to it that no one comes short of the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springing up causes trouble. Don't y'all know bitterness causes trouble? If you turn on the news, you're going to see the results of bitterness because it causes trouble. And by it, many become defiled. So today, as I talk about the principality of bitterness if I said, how many of you have ever heard me speak on spiritual warfare before, there probably won't be any hands. I love to teach about Jesus. I love to teach about the letters of Paul. Spiritual warfare is not my expertise. It's Pastor Tom's expertise. It's not my expertise. 
But I know that God has asked me to teach this, and I know from experience that when I step out in faith, God steps up right behind me and he backs me up. So I'm gonna be obedient and teach something that may be a little out of my comfort zone. I've got Pastor Tom backing me up. I told him he can come at the end and just clean up any messes that I make. <laughs> but I do wanna say that, that as I speak, some words as you read different books on spiritual warfare, as you read different things about unforgiveness, some words are used interchangeably, like it could be a stronghold or a principality. There's a strong man in there. Some words, depending on the author, are used differently. We often talk about unforgiveness here, but I'm gonna be using the term bitterness as, as the covering over all of those thoughts and actions that represent unforgiveness. So if the terminology is a little different than what you're used to, I apologize, but some of those words are used interchangeably. So there is a reference that I'm using it's called Biblical Foundations of Freedom by Art Matthias. I don't know how to pronounce his name correctly, but we're gonna go with Matthias. And he writes about some of the different principalities, strongholds in our lives like unforgiveness, rejection, fear, um, occultism, jealousy and envy. If you've, if you've been through prayer ministry, <laughs> you've probably, um, heard some things about those different areas in your life. It's written more conversationally. It's not the best organized book, but from my experience with it, there's truth. It has five stars on Amazon as well. So some of what I teach about bitterness is coming from this book. So I wanna just clarify that, that it's not all from Lisa. So we know from Ephesians 6 that our struggle that we have living in this world is not with each other. Verse 12 says, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, the powers, the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. I'll just give an example. For this week, as I was preparing this message, I knew there was going to be some warfare. I just didn't know how it was going to manifest. And as about Tuesday, I thought of something Pastor Tom said on Sunday that just irked me. Like it was just something that, I don't agree with that. I don't think that's right. I don't think he should have said that. And so I started stewing on it. And I started thinking, well, if I were gonna talk to Pastor Tom, this is what I would say. And I went round and round with what I thought was right. And no, 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 no. And I'm just stewing all up. And then I was like, oh, this is it. It's resentment. There was something he did that felt like an offense against me because it hit an area where I'm tender. And it was an offense, it was just a slight hurt, but it was a, felt like a wrong. And so I didn't forgive him. And I just went right on into resentment. So that's a very vulnerable example of what I'm gonna be talking about. The wrestle was not between me and Pastor Tom, we are all good. I forgave him once again this morning, just to be sure. We are all good, Pastor Tom, today. Praise the Lord. I did, I told him, I didn't want him, to, I know when I say things, he gives me this look, so I didn't want that confused look this morning, but we're good. But the wrestle was against darkness. You know, thoughts come from different places. They come from our flesh, 
They come from the world. They come from the devil. They come from Holy Spirit. Okay? My flesh would say, you need to tell him. The world would say, you have a right to speak your opinion. We all have, we all have a right. That's what the world says. You have a right. Christians don't have any rights. The devil would say, he shouldn't have said that. If he just knew, no, 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 no. What would Holy Spirit say? Holy Spirit would say, honey, you need to forgive. It's just a little, little thing. But I hadn't forgiven. I chose to just go right on into resentment. And that's when you just start right down the path, when you think, I'm right, he's wrong, I have a right to say this. You just go right into sin, and you partner with sin. So that's just a little example of what I'm going to talk about today. That's the, the, those are the things we fight against, those spiritual forces of wickedness. There was no love in my thoughts as I was stewing over that. It was all about, I'm right, he's wrong. Spiritual forces of wickedness speaking to me, just talking to me. And I can choose to agree or I can choose to say, no, that is not true. And walk in love, as Deanna was telling us. So what is a principality? Simply put, a principality is a ruling demon that has other little demons under him. Other spirits under him. The principality is the boss. He's reinforced by everyone. The, the, the armor is set. The wall is built. And the principality governs the house. For us, as we talk about uh, bitterness, it's the ruling demon. I liked when I first started teaching a little bit about fear and spiritual warfare. This was probably 18 years ago. I likened it to a bird nest. You know, a stronghold is, is when a bird comes and just gently lays a little piece of hay on your head and you don't really notice. That's one thought. And then he comes back and puts a little bit of um, feathery wheat on the top. And then he comes back, might put some tinsel from the Christmas tree. And then he comes back and might put some plastic he found, dog hair. And, and, it, and it's just so light. And it's just so gentle that you don't even feel it until that bird has just built a big old nest right on your head. And, and he can just sit there and influence you. <laughs> he can tweet in your ear bad things. So it builds layer by layer. So the principality of bitterness, if you'll put the slide up on the principality of bitterness, please. And this is also on your handout. There we go. It's built of seven layers. The first starts with unforgiveness, and we're going to go through each one of these. It moves to resentment. The next step is retaliation, anger, hatred, violence, and murder. Anytime there's a murder somewhere, there was some unforgiveness. Anytime you see hatred expressed, it started with unforgiveness. If there's violence in a home, it started at unforgiveness. If there's mean words being said, it started. There's always some hurt or wrong or offense. For example, I've been studying so much Spanish, I almost said por ejemplo. Por ejemplo. <laughs> this morning I worshiped in Spanish getting ready. It's like all Spanish all the time. 
So let's say a hypothetical day, I get up, or you get up, and you go outside to get your paper, and you notice that your neighbor's dog pooped on the lawn for like the 50th time. How are you feeling about that? Because see, the thing is, you've kept a record of every time your neighbor's dog has pooped in the lawn. And the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 13, love does not keep a record of wrongs. Love keeps no record. Love forgives the first time, the second time, the third time, the fourth time. And at the 50th time, it just pretends like it didn't even happen before because there's no record. Because you've forgiven it and let it go. Let's say I went out and ran errands, and this is a true story. There was sometimes somebody, I think I shared this before, there was one time somebody was tailgating me, and it made me mad. Don't you know that road rage starts with a little unforgiveness? So he was tailgating me, and eventually he passed me. And I've got this little sport button on my car where I can press it, and it'll go vroom, vroom. And I press it, and I vroom, vroom, like right up on his tail. I was like, I'll show you. And then I did it again. And again, it's a good thing. Brian was not with me. That would not have been um, allowed. But I was angry. I mean, I went from unforgiveness. All, I was up at retaliation. I was ready to ram that man in his rear end. That's where I was. But I didn't forgive. I should have forgiven him. Road rage. Any road rage you see starts up at the top. An offense, a hurt, a wrong, not forgiven. Let's say I went out shopping, and I'm at Harris Teeter, and there's like 20 people in line ahead of me, and I'm looking around at the staff members. You know how when there's a long line, everybody looks at each other like, can you believe this? <laughs> we all do it. And I get angry, and I think I could run the store better than them. Or if you work in retail, think about all those mean customers. I like to say I am a nice customer. I mean, I try to be as nice as I can be, sweet little Lisa. And what if I came home and I go to the fridge to get out my brisket that's left over from Leland's Smokehouse, and he ate it? <laughs> he ate my lunch. I tell you, marriage is just one forgiveness after another, right? You just forgive every day. Now, Brian said that was hypothetical when we talked about it before. Like, I write my initials on my food. He knows, don't you touch it. But in marriage and in families, you have to forgive over and over and over. And I can't make a list of all his wrongs because the Bible says don't do that. And that's why we get so frustrated when we're wronged again because we've got that little list. Number 52, he left his comb out on the sink one more time and I've told him not to do that for 26 years. I haven't forgiven. What if you go on social media? You go on social media or you look at the news, and what makes me angry is blanket statements. Like, everyone who's a Democrat is blank, or everyone who's a Republican is blank. Everyone who gets the shot is blank. Everyone who does not get the shot is blank. That makes me so angry. Because my family members will write those things, and then they'll be true about me, and it's like they're saying I'm a... 
I'm not even going to say it. Not even going to say what came into my head. But you get angry because it's an offense against sometimes even your character, your intelligence, your independence, your, your ability to be a private citizen making your own choices. And we do this to each other. What about in family with parents? The one, the one time I really saw this in practice in my life was when my children were little. They were five and three. And you know, when you have children, you're, you have to forgive like every 10 minutes. You know, the milk gets spilled, the cat gets stepped on, something gets broken, they're not ready when they're supposed to be to. You told them, get your backpack, get your backpack, get your backpack. You get in the car, there's no backpack. And for me, I was taking my children to preschool and, and I had the door where you had to slide it shut. Didn't have the button yet, but you had to slide it shut. And we get to preschool and they get out of the van and I slammed that door so, I slammed it so hard that it popped back open. So after I got them to class, got them settled, I said, Lord, what was that? And he said, you haven't forgiven them. Think of all the things that children do. Even think about all the things your children may have done this morning to just ruffle your feathers just a little bit, just a little bit. But when it adds and adds and adds and adds and adds and adds and adds, I'm pretty sure pretty soon you'll say, Mom's had enough. I've had it up to here. And that's because we haven't forgiven them. It's just a simple thing we don't even realize. We need to do it. But when they hurt us, or irritate us, or offend us, we need to forgive. Even with adult children, my children are now adults, and you know, sometimes with adult children, we have expectations of them that they don't meet, and we can be hurt or offended. I don't even think we should talk about church. <laughs> oh, church. I'll tell you, lately, God's been telling me, been exposing to me some worldly thoughts that I've had when I've come to church. Like, I shared another week when I was just being vulnerable that sometimes I'll look at a woman and say, why is she wearing that? And God has just shown me that's a thought from the world. It's just from the world. It's judging people according to the world. And so God's starting to identify to me, that's just worldly. So there are all these places that we can be hurt, offended. You know, there, there are little things to big things, from tiny little frustrations to big gaping wounds. And I know some of you have big gaping wounds from people who have hurt you. Those are the hardest to forgive. But we're gonna talk through that today. You know, eating Eating my lunch is one thing, but attacking my character is another thing. And then you start going after my children, that's another thing. So there are all kinds of things that, that are wounds and hurts, and some are easy to overlook, and some are a lot harder to work through. So what this spirit of unforgiveness does is it just puts these things on instant replay. And it just reminds us over and over of the wrong that we suffered. Replays the words, the voices, the sounds, the sights, the thoughts, 
And it just starts building this list. And at this point, we have a choice. We have a choice to forgive or not. But if we don't forgive, then we lay a foundation. And where's Cameron? Where's my civil engineer? I called my civil engineering friend Cameron, and I talked about what is a foundation? A foundation is something you build upon. And in this principality of bitterness, that offense that was not forgiven, that wound, that hurt, that grievance, that frustration that was not forgiven builds the foundation for this principality of, of bitterness. Lincoln Logs. There we are. We've kept toys in hopes that one day we'll have one day we'll have grandchildren. So I still have Lincoln Logs, Duplos, Thomas the Thomas the Train, Leg yes Legos. So when we partner with that spirit of unforgiveness, we build the foundation. And there's a difference between entertaining a thought and partnering with it. You know, the, these worldly thoughts I've had, they come in and I'm just telling them to go right on out. But we can entertain a thought, we can agree with it, and we can lay that foundation. So resentment feeds off unforgiveness and it adds fuel to the fire. It's the feeling of ill will towards someone who has wronged us. And it's like when we start to meditate and stew and think about, oh, I wish I would have said this, or I should have said that, or next time I see them, I'm gonna say this. We start planning. We start planning. There was a situation that happened to me in this church, and the tr I, we've been here maybe 17 years, so there's enough time that, you know, I don't wanna uncover anyone, but I think there's enough time enough people, I don't think that you'll figure it out. So, and, and in, in any event, I've forgiven everything and, and, and it's all good. But there was a situation where um, a pastor here unfriended me on Facebook. Now, you would think, well, that's just social media. That's not a big deal. Just let it go. But for me, I was just beginning to build my ministry. I was on Facebook because if you ever want to write a book one day, you have to have people that follow you. Like that's, that's what you have to have. You have to build a platform. And, and I'd even been talking with this pastor about my ministry. We had shared ideas about building platform. And he was someone I respected and who I wanted to be on my team. And then I got unfriended. And honestly, y'all, I would sit at night and I would look at my computer and on Facebook it shows the pictures of all the people that are friends with a certain person. And I would look at everybody in the church, some of your faces, some of your faces, and see that he was friends with them and my face was not there. Why was I not good enough? Why was I not good enough? That, it sounds like a little thing, but it crushed me. It really did. There were other, um, other things going on in my life at the same time that were crushing me, so I think it just all came together and crushed me. Why am I not good enough? Why is this pastor, a shepherd, deemed me unworthy? I was crushed. 
So there was a journey for me to forgive this person. And I would be out in my yard gardening because that's like my free therapy. And I would just say, well, I'm going to say this next time. And I'm going to say that next time. I was planning that resentment was just stewing and festering. So building upon unforgiveness, resentment just digs in. It's like the rebar that goes down through a foundation to support it. And it gains a foothold. So I add the layer of resentment. And so next comes retaliation. After resentment simmers, retaliation. That's where you want to get even. I'm going to get even. That's like me and that truck that was tailgating me. Oh, I'll show you. I'll treat you the same way you treated me. You want to ignore me? I'll ignore you. You want to be mean to me? I'll be mean to you. You want to treat me like dirt? I'll treat you like dirt. You want to get even. I mean, there is something unholy when retaliation starts. There is no love in getting even. Because getting even means that I have rights. And when you are in Jesus Christ, you have no rights to yourself. You are not your own. You were bought with a price. You have no rights. If you want to know more about that, read Oswald Chambers, my utmost for his highest. He will remind you on a daily basis. Some days I can tolerate it. Like some days I can read things and be really humbled. Other days I'm like, oh, Lord, I can't take those Puritan prayers today because those things will really humble me. But we have no rights. They're going to pay. I'll show them who's boss. So I want to give you some free advice. Free advice. Free that I learned when, when working this situation out with this pastor because my pastor Tom has taught us. And on the back of your handout for further study, it's just a biblical foundation for forgiveness. One of the verses is from Matthew 5. You know, if someone has wronged you, you go to them. So I FaceTimed with this pastor. Uh, we had a phone call. Many months later, after I had been through prayer ministry and other things, we met face to face and we talked it out. But I want to tell you don't ever reply to text messages or emails or voicemails when you're angry. Because that looks like retaliation and it does not advance healing and reconciliation. Don't do it, sleep on it. That's what I do. 99% of the time, every now and then the flesh gets it in. <laughs> but 99% of the time, I do manage to sleep on it. I'll read things to Brian. We, you know, process together. But retaliation steps in. And that's the next layer. So a lot of these things we can keep hidden, you know, these thoughts that we have. And, and one thing Pastor Tom encouraged me with when I went through all of this with this pastor, and I'm telling Pastor Tom in my prayer ministry, well, I thought this about him, and I thought that about him, and I wanted to say this about him, and Pastor Tom said, but you never said it, Lisa. I overcame retaliation. I stopped it. Well, I will say, I did, I did block him on Facebook. I did. I think that was an anger. <laughs> but there were extenuating reasons with that, too. But yeah, we, we worked it out. But retaliation crosses into anger. Anger is the physical expression of bitterness. 
Have you ever heard, if looks could kill, I would have been dead? You can see anger in someone's eyes. You hear the expression, they were seething with anger. You know what a dirty look looks like. So anger is just this outward expression that says, I resent you. I'm not going to forgive what you've done. I'm going to remind you for what you've done. I'm going to hang on to it because it's my right to hang on to this thing, this hurt. You hurt me. You should pay. Anger has all of that. It just adds and adds. So anger is when you ignore phone calls, when you block people on Facebook, when you... I've literally had a woman in a restaurant walk out and purposely not speak to me. I mean, I know she knows me, but that's what anger does. It acts out bitterness. It vocalizes bitterness. Now, this can be either in talking to the person or about them. Anger goes and tries to get people on its side. Can you believe what they did? And we call it venting. Oh, I was just venting. When really it's gossip. Now, I will say, I think you can have one or two close friends who are wise and who keep their mouths shut that you can go to and say, I'm having this issue. Can you help me process it? A couple trusted friends who don't tell anybody else. Wouldn't you say, is that Kind of, if, if you, it wise counsel, if you walk in wisdom. Because I have a couple people that I go to and some people that come to me and it, it's not gossip. It's, I have this problem, can you help me know how to walk it out? One or two people, not 10 or 12, because that's a team that you get to join you in your quest for vengeance to prove who's right. Don't need a team. Ephesians 4.26 says, be angry, but yet do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. That's a tough one. James 1.19 says, everyone must be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. For a man's, a man's anger does not bring about the righteousness of God. Don't we want to bring about the righteousness of God in our relationships? Your anger is not going to do it. Your anger is not going to do it. Now, remember that anger builds on these other layers. Unforgiveness, resentment, retaliation, and then you add anger. And you can see that this little guy's starting to get trapped. He's starting to get trapped in this house that he's building where he's given the enemy a stronghold, he's given the enemy a foundation of some little thing or big thing that he chose not to forgive. So then we, you move into hatred. Hatred acts out bitterness. Hatred basically says, this person has no right to exist. This, they don't have any right to exist. You don't have a reason to exist. You, you reveal, this is where you say, I hate your guts. I don't really hate your guts. I'm sorry for the people on the front row. But this is where it acts out 
this unforgiveness, and it comes out as hatred. Hatred. This is where you say the church isn't big enough for the two of us. One one of us has to go. It's not going to be me. Yeah. So turn with me to Galatians 5, and let's see what the Bible has to say about anger. Ephesians 5, 16 through 24. I'm sorry, Galatians. That happens when you're up here. You think one word and another one comes out. Happens quite often. Verse 16, but I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. For the desire of the flesh is against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. I'm in verse 17 now. For these are in opposition to one another in order to keep you from doing what you want. Verse 18, but if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Verse 19, now the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are sexual immorality, impurity, indecent behavior, idolatry, witchcraft. Now all that stuff sounds pretty bad, doesn't it? Hostilities strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger. It's listed right in there. It's a deed of the flesh. Selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these of which I forewarn you, just as I have forewarned you, that those who practice, practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Oh, Lord, have mercy. Have mercy. But the fruit, verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, sorry about that, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Now, those who belong to Christ Jesus crucified the flesh, with its passions and desires. Walk by the Spirit. I do just wanna clarify one thing about righteous anger that um, the book that I was reading said. It says righteous anger is an offense, it's against an offense committed against God. If someone commits an offense against God, you can have righteous anger. But it's never expressed at a person only evil. So think about that, stew on it, process it. So we've added to our layers, now we're up to hatred. It's kind of hard to go backwards from this point, hatred. So the next layer in this principality of bitterness is violence. This is anger and hatred put into motion. It's put into motion. This is where you've lost complete self-control. Your emotions erupt. When you think about domestic violence, this is domestic violence. Where did it start? A list of all the wrongs that another person has committed. This is fist fights, slapping, uncontrolled spanking. Uncontrolled spanking, where do you think it starts? Unforgiveness goes to resentment, retaliation, anger, hatred, violence. 
This is rape. This is road rage. Anytime you use a weapon against another person, you're at violence. This is abuse, physical, sexual, verbal, emotional. It's when you want someone to feel the same kind of pain that you feel. You want to inflict pain on them because they've hurt you. That's where you move to violence. And then the last layer in this principality of bitterness is murder. Murder is hatred that's expressed in violence that is successful. It's successful. Where does murder start? Unforgiveness. And it's where you feel, not that we would feel this, but where someone feels justified as a victim. If you have a victim mentality that you've been the victim and you need to make them pay, now we want justice. But the Lord says, vengeance is mine. If you're trying to make someone pay for their wrong, that's not through you know, legal channels where they broke the law, but you're trying to make them pay by smearing their name, whatever it is you're doing against someone who has hurt you, where you've been the victim, you're probably somewhere in one of these stages. It's where you feel justified People murder children, spouses, friends in a fit of rage. So Satan is a murderer. On your handout, there's John 8, 44, where Jesus says, you are of your father, the devil, and you want to do the desires of your father. He was a murderer from the beginning. So Satan is the example of a murderer for us, for people. Another example, and I'm not going to read it for the sake of time, is, is Cain and Abel, and that's in Genesis 4, and that's on your handout. You can, you can read it. But again, there was an unforgiveness, an affront, an irritation, a frustration, a hurt, a wound. You know, when you think about in the news where we've seen a lot about Gabby Petito and Brian Laundry, if he did kill her, and we, we don't know, but where do you think it started? There were some things that maybe, maybe, if he did it, that a list was kept of all the irritations, frustrations, wrongs. It all starts with unforgiveness, resentment, anger, violence, murderer. For this reason, you know, we need to keep short accounts with people and with God. We need to forgive as we go along, day by day, hour by hour. Also, murder can be expressed in hate-filled speech that tears down someone's character. 1 John 3.15 says, everyone who hates his brother or sister is a murderer. Now, that's strong. And you know that no murderer has eternal life remaining in him. So even just hatred in our hearts can be like murder. So we're going to add this final layer of murder. And then what you have 
is this principality. You have this strong place of bitterness that this person is trapped inside and every layer builds upon till it's this strong fortress built upon a foundation that's holding it of a grudge, an an offense. I also wanna say I don't have time to teach this today, but each one of those layers, you can also direct it towards yourself, okay? So when you choose not to forgive yourself, when you resent yourself, when you cut and wanna retaliate against yourself or self-sabotage, Anger, hatred, violence is more the the cutting. Suicide, what do you think suicide is? It's self-murder. And it started with not being able to forgive yourself for something. And we all have things that we need to forgive ourselves of. So as, as I've read these things, I hope that I've opened your eyes to just recognize what these things are, when you have these feelings and you're not sure where they come from, but this is what it is. Have you sensed bitterness in your spirit? Have you identified resentment, a desire to retaliate, anger? Are you hated, uh, have you hated others? Have you committed violence? Um, The author of the book says, if there's pain in the memory, then there may still be some unforgiveness. When you think about that situation, and there's still some stewing and some pain. And I wanna say that um, unforgiveness can be a block to healing. If you're seeking God for physical healing, it can be a block. And it can also, according to many things that I've read, manifest itself physically. And it's usually, a lot of times it's arthritis. And I'm not judging because I have a little arthritis in my own hands. But if, you're, if you struggle a lot with unforgiveness, I just encourage you to look and see if that might be a root. So what do we do? We take those emotional hurts to the Lord and ask him to help us to forgive. We let him heal the hurt. Um, I have a couple books. I have Pastor Tom's book, Breaking Free from Darkness. He has the destiny model of of deliverance. Um, Oh, that's the wrong book. I call it Neil Anderson's book, The Kinder, Gentler Form of It. He's got a kind of prayer ministry for beginners. And there's also a book called The Peacemaker by Ken Sandy. In some ways, this book has kept my family together because it's taught me how to overlook an offense. It's taught me how to forgive. It's taught me how to make good apologies. So if you have a lot of um, struggle in your family, relationships, This is an excellent book. You can go to prayer ministry. So you wanna forgive the person, confess your sin, repent. You wanna renounce where you've partnered with those things. Because all of these things that have built this stronghold of bitterness you've partnered with, you wanna tell them to go. I'm not gonna partner with you anymore. I'm not gonna play games with you anymore. I'm not gonna agree with you anymore. And you tell them to go in the name of Jesus. And then you walk away in love and peace and you're set free. So in closing, I've got one more quote, I believe, and then I'm gonna turn it over to Pastor Tom. To prevent a root of bitterness, to prevent a root of bitterness from springing up, we need to learn to forgive moment by moment, offense by offense. 
with that pastor that unfriended me on Facebook. There was later an opportunity where there was a celebration in their life, and I sent him a $50 gift card from Amazon. And at this point, I can honestly pray for God to bless him and his ministry with a pure heart, and I mean it. Took a while, but I arrived at that place of unforgiveness.